pleased you've chosen to follow our Adopt Dead podcast. I'm Joseph Sandigato, the Director of Communications and Public Relations for Mayor. And at Mayor, we believe the best way to help introduce the process of adoption from foster care is through education, hence our cutesy little title of Adopt Dead. The theme for today's show is Filling an Empty Nest. On our podcast today, we will be discussing how many parents come to the adoption process later in life, such as when kids go off to college or move out on their own. Does this mean that you're done parenting? For many, the answer is a resounding no. We'll also have a visit later in the show from Terry Sentis, a foster parent, who will share with us a bit about her journey from empty nester to parenting younger children. Without further ado, I'm excited to kick off the show with our opening segment called At the Table. Joining me today at the table is my co-host and Western Mass Child Services Coordinator Extraordinaire, Maureen Albano. Welcome, Mo. Thank you. Thank you. I love the introduction. It's nice to have you back. Thank you. You've it's been, been a long summer, hot has. summer. You had yep. a really great event out there in Western Mass back in September. Oh, yeah. That was wonderful. Lots wonderful. of matches. We got a lot of matches for some of our kids with some... Super special needs and super special powers. They're wonderful kids, and we got some great families in. So I'm excited, and I'm pumped, and we're going to do more of these. Good. I yep. think it's great. Yep. Yeah. Me too. Perfect. Yep. We all had fun. So so on today's topic, we're talking about empty nesters, and, and you and I have talked about this an awful lot, right? We think that there's, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen your share of stories, and we're really talking about people who've come to the adoption process later in life, right? right? Whatever right. the circumstances may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I guess the way that we've talked about it in the past is we've thought about like, hey, with all the colleges out in Western Mass, wouldn't it be great to get in front of some of the parents who might not be done parenting, right? Exactly. Parents weekend. Yeah. 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 So what do you think motivates them at this stage of their life? You know, they're they're just about to finish up parenting the, I mean, not finish, you know, I mean, they're going to college. You're not done ever parenting your kids, but you know what I mean? Living Mm -hmm. at home and full-time parenting your kids, right? So what do you think... What do you think motivates them when they're when they're technically kind of at a place where they're hitting a finish line? What makes them go back to the starting line? What do you think? Uh, I think, and I'm putting myself back in that situation, but I'm thinking that, boy, after parenting a couple kids, I've learned so much. Maybe what didn't work for one worked for the other, mm-hmm. and I've got these great skills and these great ideas, but if no one else in the house anymore. Yeah, who am I to, gonna... Who's going to benefit from right, them? Right. Um, so I, I've learned a lot of great parenting skills, and I feel like I'm not yet done with using these parenting skills. And I sure have a few open bedrooms left. Right. So you pair my great skills, my great parenting skills with, with open space, space in the and, house, yeah. and it's like, my gosh. Dogs, cats, no. How about kids? Yeah. How about kids? Yeah. I think really? that's and yeah. I think that's true for a lot of people. And and I'll include myself because even though um, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a traditional empty nester, you might remember we grew our family in four different pieces. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, you'd start seeing the I, I used to call it the end date, you know, the date when they'd be off to college, you know, that like I'm gonna be fifty-two, I'm yeah. gonna be fifty-four, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people think of that as uh, pre-retirement or they think of that as the point where they're going to go travel and they're going to, we said, well, you know, we have capacity, yeah, right? So we just, we kind of decided that we wanted to extend that. And I think for a lot of people, that's the norm today. Yeah. I mean, not to mention the fact people are living longer, people are, you know, thriving and, and, and as we're aging. I remember when 
um, and nobody, please don't write me, but but I'm just going to say that when I was growing up, I can remember when 70 felt really old. Today, 70 feels really vibrant and young, yeah. you know? And, you know, so it was 60 is the new 50 and mm-hmm. 70 is the new 50. And, you know, I think yeah. 80 is the new 50. You yeah, know, I mean, just, I did too. Just the way that things are playing out. So I think people have more time and energy and capacity and they're healthier and, you know. So I think that really plays into it uh, a lot. And um, so... When we're talking about this particular topic, um, I always like to just say to people, think about what your capacity is, you know, um, think about think about what you could do. Right. We're not always talking about like really young kids. You know, think yeah. about all the teens out there who really could benefit from having a family as they are moving toward their own adulthood. Right. right? And I think a lot of families feel that. Toddlers, younger children are the ones that need the parenting. Believe me, it's not just that age. As age you get, your kids get older. Right. Uh, those preteen years, they need so much structure and parental role modeling right. done for them. And then when they get in their teen years, I mean, then again, they they don't need that on top of you kind of parenting. Right. But right. they still need... They need guidance and they need support. Guidance, and, yeah, yeah. Support in people who are going to back them with their decisions and maybe somebody to help them make some wise decisions. Right. What, what, yeah. what is it we used to say about teens? Remember the top 10 things a, a teen can bring to your home? They can help you with housework. They can wash the dishes. And it was a cheeky play on the fact that they had life skills. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They've so, learned so many things yeah. already. Yeah. Yeah, they have so much to offer already to you. Right. Yeah. Can you think of any particular families that had great outcomes when they decided to adopt later in life in all your years of... Yeah. Yep. I remember a family who took in um, an 11-year-old girl. She had two older brothers. Right. But they were only interested in a girl. Um and she came into their home, and they kept communication going with um, birth family and extended family, and they especially kept the communication going uh, with visits that were weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, wow. with that's, the brothers. That's a commitment. But just with the brothers. Yeah. I mean, the rest of it was more monthly visits, this sure, type of thing. Sure. But with the two brothers, they attended her. The, their sisters, a soccer games, I remember, basketball games. That's amazing. Dance recitals. But the thing is, they fell in love with these brothers. Right. So they not only adopted, um, I think Emily was 12 when she was adopted and they legalized, but they also took in William, who was 13. Wow. And the brother, I don't remember his name, Jonathan, maybe. Okay. Who was almost fifteen? Wow! Yeah, so yeah. they took in three. No, didn't didn't know it at the beginning, but that's great. You know, they just... I I have a dad that um, that some people uh, w- would remember for some public work that we've done, and it's a, a single dad mm-hmm. who had a couple of kiddos that he had adopted. Uh, got to that place where they were adults and said, "You know what? I have the capacity," and adopted this young man on National Adoption Day last year. Uh, and I recently got a chance to plug back into him, and and this young man um, had some had some challenges, and uh, like like some of the kids do, yeah. you know. But there mm-hmm. was a lot of uh, specifically challenges around school and behaviors and, right. and so forth. Right. A year later, this kid is now on track, making great grades, good mm-hmm. reports from the school. I mean, it's just amazing. It's, and this is someone who, uh, this parent is someone who easily could have just been done. Yeah, 
you know, washed their hands and said, okay, okay I yeah, did my I'm going to enjoy yeah. my, you know, yeah. my, my, uh, my downtime. But yeah. I just think it's great. And we meet so many people that do this. Yeah. Uh, and later in the show, we're going to talk to uh, a foster mom who um, always wanted to uh, look at foster care, but was just a busy mom. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later in life, when the kids were all grown up and there was time to think about it, said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And uh, so we'll talk to Terry a little bit later. But Good. Um, so I, so like the, I had mentioned that tongue in cheek list of why to adopt teenagers, right? So I thought since it was us, I would come up with a list of why empty nesters should consider foster care adoption. Okay. All right. You ready? Yep. Number one, with age comes wisdom. You're at a place in your life where experience has taught you much. Share your knowledge. You said that earlier. Yeah. Pretty much. Yep. I did. Two. Financial security is more present at a more mature age. You probably have more resources, especially since your kids have left home. And right, so so oftentimes as we get older, um, this aspect of our lives becomes certainly not uh, easier necessarily, but less burdensome because you have people who are in your home now they're out of your home. Right. You know, right. shifting responsibilities. But and I don't want people. Kids to go think- to college. Mm-hmm. And, but I do bring this up though. Because what is one of the things that we say about foster care adoption? Well, you don't have to have a specific huge income. No. As long as you can support yourself and an, this extra child or two. Right. Yeah. And children. You're good. Yep. Children um, during their pre-adoptive phase, do you receive that uh, you receive a subsidy? subsidy. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the children may potentially qualify for a post-adoptive subsidy. Sometimes our kiddos who are traditionally considered harder to place may be in that range. So. So even though I'm calling out the fact that you're at a place where you're potentially more stable in your right. life, it doesn't mean that you have to rely upon exactly. that exclusively. I think you need to stress that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Work-related responsibilities can be less burdensome. So whether you're working or retired, for many in this stage of life, it means you're somewhat more established. Right. You know? And you can yeah. have maybe a little bit more flexibility. I mean, maybe you still work, but maybe your schedule is a little more flexible. You're more established. Not everyone, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. a lot of people, you know, you might be able to say to your boss, hey, I need the afternoon off. I yeah. have to go. Yeah. Meet with a social worker. Right. 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 Um, you have empty space in your home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With mm-hmm. the change in having children now living on their own, you have an extra room or two just waiting for a child to bring energy and life back into your home. Right. Yeah. Plus, you don't have to, like, get rid of furniture at that point. <laughs> you know. I mean, maybe you want a sewing room or you want a man cave or yeah. a craft room, but... Yeah. You know, there's another bedroom down the hall that's exactly. still furnished. Exactly. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to fill all the bedrooms up. You don't have you to buy furniture. Them. You've already got furniture, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yep. Um, all right. Next one. Uh, so what's this? One, two, three, four, five. Older siblings often provide much needed support. So for families, um, you know, with a great age difference in their children, because some people who I've met who've come back to this are at a place where their kids are in their their um, their younger, well, former younger children who are now on their own are in their twenties, thirties, right? 30s, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I find that in those cases, older siblings for a lot of these families provide amazing support to the to the adoptive youth. Yeah. Um, you know, it's almost like having an aunt or an uncle in in some ways because the age difference makes it feel like that. But you know, families tell me all about um, how their older kiddos will come back and spend time with the kids and love reading books and you know and and may take them to practices and help them. I mean, that's that's a practical thing. Yes. You know, if you've got yeah. a kid who's older and still plugged in and they have a car and they have some capacity, they can help. Yeah. Right. And I think they'd love to help. And I'm sure this younger child 
would look to them as a role model yeah. and just say, I, I, I want to be just like him. I want to have friends just like him or her. A hundred percent. And yeah. I'll tell you firsthand. So my youngest is now nine, right? He came to us at four. He's now nine, almost 10. Um, he looks to his older brothers who are like 20, 21, 24, 25, 28, yeah. you know, as like, oh my God. Yeah. You know? I can be just like I them can someday. Be just like, yes. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. So it does happen. Um, and then my last reason, number six, it's just plain rewarding. It's just rewarding to be needed and loved and appreciated. It's a wonderful gift mm-hmm. to feel like, like, you know, some people tell me, you know, when my kids went away to college, I, I felt proud that I did such a good job, but then I felt somewhat empty and I still had this capacity. So mm-hmm. I think it's just rewarding. Don't overlook the benefits of what having a child will mean to you personally. You're right. And it is a win-win. You're not only giving to the child, but they're giving so much more back to you, I think, in that in that feeling of yes. being needed and wanted and, um, you know, plenty of rooms in the house and also there's plenty of room in your heart yes, that needs to be for filled. Sure. Yeah. And so. and you know, and I I don't mean to be overly polyanner about it because obviously there are challenges, mm-hmm. you know, but there's plenty of supports too. Yeah. So if you have capacity, man, this can be just a plain rewarding great right. thing to do. Right. I so all right, did I miss anything on my list? What do you have to add? Anything? Mm. Did I get I it think we about? covered everything. I really think you did a good job and you covered everything. I did. Thank you, Mo. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure a, there's more out there, I Joe, appreciate but... your endorsement. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it was certainly a departure from our normal format of explaining process. And, you know, I think it's important to remind people that that we really need parents of any age. Um, and we probably should remind folks about the requirements for any adoptive parent. Do you want to share that with our audience, I'd Mo? love to. Sure. Um Prospective adoptive parents can be of almost any age over 18. They can be single. They can be partnered. They can be married. LGBT. They can be homeowners or renters. Um, They can be new uh, to the parenting process or they can be an experienced parent. Um, Families of various income levels can adopt, as we said before, as long as they have a stable income that can support both themselves and the child. There are no fees to adopt a child from foster care, and I think people really need to know that. They always ask, what's it cost? And we say, there is no cost. Um, And actually, there's some financial subsidies that may be available, and children that are adopted from foster care are also eligible for tuition waiver at Massachusetts state colleges and universities. So. And that's a real practical. Yeah. I have I have kids who've taken advantage of that, right. and and the program over the years uh, has has changed. But by and large, uh, they now have uh, what my experience has been as of late is that they have state sponsored classes. So there are certain classes uh, that the that the kids can plug into and just directly um, work with the Department of Children and Families to fund those classes. In the old days, when my uh, my son Victor was in college. He was the, the, the first kiddo to, to hit college and, and use this. You used to have to pay, and then you'd have to wait until the next semester, and then there'd be like some kind of credit and reimbursement. And it seems like it's, it's become much easier, easier with the state universities. Yeah. So that's important. Um, and, of course, we talked about subsidies. And, you know, so I would say to people, if you've got the space in your home and your heart, mm-hmm. call. Yeah. Or stop by an event. You've got one coming up in uh, November. November 3rd out in yeah. Western Mass in Westfield. And, and uh, it's open to the public. Right. You know, we have an informational session. And um, it, it's open to the public, but it's also open to families who are already licensed or in the process right. of being licensed. But 
it's great to be able to see some of these children and then learn about the process right. and um, meet with workers yeah, you know, and make it a reality. Your... If you don't start somewhere, you're going to keep putting this right. off. So uh, come on out and join us on don't November 3rd. Don't put it 3rd. off. Nope. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you for another informative, enlightening segment. You know, I always enjoy being in the studio oh, with you. with you too. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more Adopt Ed podcast right after this break. This is Joe from Adopt Ed. You know, oftentimes people ask me how they can help to support our cause if they don't want to become adoptive parents. I think a great way to help support Mayor and to increase awareness around the need for adoptive families to support children waiting for adoptive placements in foster care is to host our Heart Gallery. The Heart Gallery was originally created as a stunning display of portraiture and professional photos of children awaiting placement and now is available in its traditional format and in a digital format. If you'd like more information about how your group, your community center, or your workplace can get involved by hosting the Heart Gallery, please contact me, Joe Sandigato, at joes at mayorink.org. So, Mo, I'm really excited about uh, this new feature, this new podcast that we have called How Adoption Works. It's a short version. I like to call it, uh, if, if the podcast, if our regular monthly podcast is a meal, I like to think of how adoption works as a snack. And really what it is, is just a little bit of information. People ask us lots of questions since we started this, and not everything necessarily is a full show. You know, I mean, right. a full show is of a certain length. So these are going to be smaller little pieces. We're going to drop them every week other than the week of the main podcast. And people can just uh, jump onto our platform and grab it and learn all about different topics. It'll be everything from DCF-related topics to questions that we get here at Mayor and, um, you know, how Mayor works. So you'll have to listen uh, and help me inform, uh, you know, the team and topics about things that you might like to hear about. And for all of our listeners, I would love to, for them to get in touch with me to let them know if there's an aspect of foster care adoption that they'd like to hear more about. We're always looking for great show ideas. So just email me at joes, S like Sam, at mayorinc.org. Sounds good. All right, now it's time to introduce you to some of our waiting children. Today, we'll learn about a sibling group of Keegan and Kyron, as well as Anthony. This is probably a good time to remind our listeners they can find information about uh, any of the boys at our website, mayorink.org, by clicking on the Meet the Children tab and entering their IDs. So, Mo, tell me more about our kiddos today. Okay. Um, today I'm presenting Keegan and Kyron. Um, Keegan okay. is five, Kyron is seven, and the registration numbers are 7519 and 7522. And let me tell you a little about them. Look at that little face. Before I know. You start. I, I am looking at the this smile. little little boy greeting ear to ear with a couple teeth missing. <laughs> you know, uh, he's cute, and oh. I think he's munching on. Looks like uh, some potato chips. Some potato chips, yeah. And then the little docile little brother in the back with the little finger, you know, right. up to the 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 mouth. You oh, know, so cute. Yeah, modeling himself after his brother in a couple years, right? right. Um. But these are two very playful brothers. Uh, Keegan and Kyron are playful young boys and will be a, bring a great amount of joy to any loving family. The oldest brother, Keegan, is very funny. I can tell that. Yes. And is a pleasure to be around. 
He has many interests, which includes playing outside, playing video games, and building with Legos. He's also very interested in sports and motorcycles, and he wow. recently yep, started swimming lessons. Um, it's October, so I hope this was sometime during, you know, maybe right, July or August. Right. <laughs> uh, or inside swimming lessons. It could be lessons. inside. There's lots yeah, of inside yeah. places. Right, right. Uh, Keegan is currently in the first grade, and he has developed many friendships with his peers and is academically doing really well. Wonderful. Yep. Kyron, he's the little guy here. If you look at the picture, a little finger in his mouth here. Right. He's affectionate and he's strong-willed, and he will derive thrive, I'm sorry, in an environment that provides predictability, structure, positive reinforcement, and one-on-one one -one attention. He likes to please others, and he likes to be the center of attention. Chiron's interests include Paw Patrol, playing oh, outside, yep, playing with remote cars, coloring, and building things. He's got a lot of energy and can be very creative. These two brothers are legally freed for adoption Great. and can be placed in any type of family as the youngest or the only children in the home. So in this case, so we always talk about the sort of the more clinical aspects of placement, right? So in this case, any family constellation. Sounds like it, yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. But they have to be the youngest. They have to be the youngest okay. or or the only children yep. in the home. Yep. Um, it sounds like they, they may have been, um, they need attention right. and it's probably something they... Um, they probably didn't have enough of, and, and now is the time that somebody should start doting on them. Right. Interested families should be open to maintaining four visits per year with Keegan and Kyron's birth father. Okay, good to know. Well, yeah. thank you. And then who do we have next? Okay, next we have uh, Alina, age 12. Oh, my goodness, she's beautiful. Her registration number is 5666. Isn't that a great picture? She really went all out for her picture. Yeah. I think that's amazing. You have colored pictures. I only have black and white. What is this, Joe? Well, you must have printed on the black and white printer, and I printed on the color printer. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Shall I bring colored copies for you next time? No, it's okay. I, okay. I can do this. I can do this. Um, let me tell you a little about Alina, though. She's got All a right. great sense of humor. She's fun and outgoing, and she's age 12. And she's got an enormous amount of charisma and a great sense of humor. I think that picture tells that story. Uh, well, it does. You have to, people, you have to see this picture, uh, even though it's black and white. You can just... Well, it's color online, mostly. Well, okay, color, but mine's black and white, but I can also, I can <laughs> just see her personality coming through. Amazing. Um, some of her favorite activities are bowling, roller skating, going to the movies, drawing and singing along with the songs in the radio. My she sounds just like me. She's a creative spirit. Yeah. I The first thing I thought of was she sounds just like Mo. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know all the songs on the radio, that's for sure. Anyway, Alina does especially well with younger children, and she is always willing to help out um, in other classrooms, like reading to the younger kids Aww. and are mentoring them. Yeah. That's nice, though. Yeah. Mine. She sounds like a sweetheart. Alina feels important and takes great pride in building these relationships. Well, you and I talk about the resiliency factor, you know, a lot kids. of these yeah. kids and yeah. um, and empathy, mm -hmm. yep. right? Yeah. That's, that's somebody who's got some empathy. Right. If you are paying attention. Yep. And, yeah. and you feel rewarded when you right. um, start re build relationships right. like, like these. Um, Alina is legally freed for adoption, and she is in need of a family that can provide a structured, loving home. She would do best with a single mom or a two-parent family with or without other children in the home. 
Okay. Um, interested families should be comfortable maintaining contact with Alina's siblings and her birth mother, whom she has visits with twice a year. Great. Yeah. So, Mo, um, thank you for sharing. I think uh, Alina's amazing. Again, uh, we talked about that last part, the clinical piece, right? So here it's a, a single mother or two-parent family uh, with or without other children. What we're not talking about is single dad. Um, and there's, again, probably some reasoning behind uh, that. Or, or, you know, dad is part of a two-part family, but not dad or, or dad. So yeah. Um, just to call that out. And mm-hmm. interested families, obviously, you know, would have to want to uh, maintain those visits, but that's a pretty standard protocol. Oh, it days. is. It yeah. is. Yeah. So okay. for anyone interested in learning more about these kiddos, let's remind them what the process is like. Okay. You can visit mayorinc.org or you can call pencil, piece of paper, 617-964-6273. But as I said before, you can also attend a matching event. When when would one of those be coming up, Mo? I have one. I have one on November 3rd in Westfield, um, Westfield, Massachusetts. It's the um, Patriots aren't playing until late in the afternoon, I was told. So you can squeeze it in. So you can squeeze it in. The party is from 1.30 to 3.30. Uh, go on Mirror's website under events and you can find and us. at the lovely Westfield Boys and Girls right? Club. Right, Boys and Girls Club. Um and you can stop by a community event at... More Than Words or uh, like the P-Town Library. We have a whole lot of uh, events beyond uh, child-focused events. So the child-focused events take a couple of different tracks, right? You can have a large event like your Boys and Girls Club right. or like an options, mm-hmm. uh, a more intimate event like your recent um, matching event that you just had in in September, yep. right? right. Uh, or specialty kind of recruiting. Uh, I guess your event falls into that, but we've yep. got like a ninja party coming up and all kinds of different things, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's also community events where people can come just to learn about adoption from of foster kids. So our Family of Support course. Services group group just did one at More Than Words. Uh, my team uh, worked to put one on at the Provincetown Library, but we have all kinds of community events, but you can find all of that stuff right at our website, so right. that marink.org. Well, Mo, it's the end of another successful show. Thanks so much for joining me, and you know, it's always educational, and working with you is always fun, and I always look forward co-hosting. Will you come back next month with me? Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Perfect. Well, I'll see you then, and in the meantime, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back with our special guest, Terry Santis, foster parent. We'll be right back. Hey, producer Jeremy. Hey, host Joe. So while we're between segments, we really should remind folks that one of the best ways to support our work and to support children waiting in foster care is to share resources, whether it's social media, the web, or even this podcast. Yeah, that's so true. So to all of our loyal listeners out there, we know there are many of you. If you like the Adopted podcast, uh, like us, comment on your platform of choice, whether that's Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, uh, and don't forget to rate us on iTunes in the Google Play Store. We really appreciate those five-star ratings. And good comments. And don't forget to share us with your friends and family. They'll love us too. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Adopt Ed. This is our Adopt Talk segment where we get to meet community members who are involved in the foster care and adoption process. Joining me today is Terry Sentis, foster parent and former empty nester. Welcome, Terry. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I um, 
I guess, reached out to you through Ricardo Franco from our team, Mm -hmm. because for this month, our uh, topic is empty nesters. And we are inspired and um, absolutely amazed by folks who, um, you know, probably either end up at a point where they, where their uh, children have kind of gone off into their own lives, mm-hmm. uh, or some of the children have gone off into their lives, and people say, "I have more capacity. Mm-hmm. I have more opportunity to to parent. I have I have more that I can give." Right. Right. Um, and that's kind of where you and I started out. I mean, for full disclosure, we've already had a whole discussion about your background, and we're <laughs> going to repeat it now for all of our listeners so that they can hear it. But. Um, what I really um, hope that people take away from this is to think about whether or not they still have capacity by the time we're done with this conversation. Okay. Um, but for the sake of our listeners, can I ask a few basic questions about your journey and, um, you know, kind of bring them up to speed on what I already know about you? Sure. Great. So tell me a little bit about um, how you came to foster care um, and how you came to it in this stage of your life, I guess, knowing the backstory, right? There's a part A and part B to all of this. Okay. So, um, my husband and I actually entertained, um, taking a foster child back when our, our children were very young and it was, um, you know, something that we really wanted to do, but at the time we were discouraged about doing it, discouraged against doing it because of the fact that our children were so young, they were three, two, and one. Right. And um, the child that we had in mind would have displaced our oldest. So they, um, social workers and other people advised us not to do that. Meaning it would have sort of changed that pecking order, right? It It would would have have changed the pecking order. And they felt that we also had a busy plate, you know, and that... A lot was going on. To add, you know, raising three children right, and, right. you know, to add another child at that point would probably not be in the best interest of a child or our family. Okay. So we decided to put it on the back burner and then life just got busier and busier. And I went to nursing school and my husband started a business. Right. and. We um, didn't think about it again for a long time. Right. Because back when we say back then, we were talking about uh, earlier the, the Jack Williams days and exactly. uh, you know the early days of Wednesday's Child and Jack Williams, right? Because you said your son is now how old? Uh, our youngest is 40. Okay. And so. um, the oldest is 43. Okay. And uh, yes, we follow Jack Williams in the uh, Wednesday's Child every week, religiously, right. yes. Right. And um, kind of always knew we wanted to do this, and but our life then became so busy it didn't seem like. Well, I think a that happens. Possibility, right? exactly. Yeah. So your journey started then, and you and your husband, um, you know, thought it was an important enough discussion that you talked about it and investigated it, and it didn't mm-hmm. work out at that time right. for you know the reason that you stated. Really, you really put it into practice and thought about what it would look like and what it would do to your your construct of your family and and right. said, okay, this is still important to me, but you mentioned in passing just now that you went to nursing school, right? So life got even busier, right. three kids and a, a full career. My son and I started school, uh, first day of school together. I, That's great. He went off to first grade and I went off to nursing school. That's awesome. <laughs> and it was, it was a busy several years, you right. know, while I completed that and still... Um, took care of my family and right. my husband worked seven days a week. So sure, sure. It, it was almost impossible, but we did it. Well, so. I think so many families do that though, right? right? I mean, I think when you're in the thick of parenting, mm-hmm. um, you know, I so I'm, I'm a dad to seven mm-hmm. and um, of varying ages and not all seven necessarily were in the house at the same time. But um, 
but you just get into a cycle, you get into a rhythm, and you're doing what you need to do, right? right? So, so flash it forward. Tell me about when you started thinking about filling up the house again. Well, my husband and I have had a, an interesting life. We uh, raised our kids. They went out on their own. We moved into the city. Right. Had kind of a fun 11 years in the city. That's and, awesome. And um, uh, then we just we took some time off to ra- take care of some elderly parents, and we did that. Okay. All, we took care of three of them, to be exact. And wow. they all passed, and we bought a farm. So literally, we, we literally bought a farm. Okay. And so we right. went from city life to, to farm life, to farm life. And uh, it was during that time when we were taking care of our parents that I started a garden and fell in love with gardening. So sure. we looked for a big house with a little bit of land that we could farm on and ended up finding a farm. That's so fantastic. How are you enjoying farming? We love it. We raise dairy goats. I know. You told me about it. Yeah, I think that's great. We raise dairy goats. We milk them every day, make goat milk soap and um, Oh, wow. Right. I didn't know that aspect of it. Okay, great. Well, that's we do fantastic. all sorts of fun, th- fun things. But after doing that, now we have a, over 200 animals. And my husband wow. uh, kind of came back to the thought of foster care right. and said, we have all this room. We have all of this potential here to give a child a chance. Why don't we rethink that? So we did, and friends of ours and people in our church had encouraged us. That was my next question. What was the response from family and friends? Everybody uh, loved it, even our kids, you know. So we have adult children, you know, and eight grandchildren presently. Wow. Okay. So um, everybody was on board. So, well, that's good. Yeah. It's it's certainly helpful when you have the support of your community and your friends and your right. family. Um, and, you know, a lot of times uh, people come to it through those supports. It's, mm-hmm. I almost say, um, if I think about the construct of real estate, everyone has a real estate agent in their family. Right. But within most people's circle of friends, there are people who've been touched by foster care and adoption, and right. oftentimes that prompts people, right? right? Um, so so um, do you have people that you've bumped into who don't understand why you went down this path? I mean, oh, maybe yes. not directly in your circle, but I'm sure out we, in the community. We had some friends that showed up in our driveway to talk us out of this. Okay. They thought, oh my goodness, you've like gotten to this point in your life where you can finally relax and right, enjoy right. things and... Now you've bought a farm and now you're going to take kids too. So um, we we thought that was a little odd that they would do that. But at the same time, I would say very few people discouraged us. Um, And those that did, I think, really wanted to make sure that we were looking at it with both eyes open. Out of concern, out of Out of concern. And, you know, certainly Bruce and I are educated enough that, you know, we thought it through wholeheartedly. And um, we knew in our hearts and in our minds that that was, this is a right choice for us. Were we nervous about it? Absolutely. But um, we decided that we had something to give. And there's so many children out there that just don't have opportunities. Right. You know, for sure. And and I was going to say a little bit of a PS, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. But as we built our family, you know, we had two, yeah. and then a third, and then a fourth, mm-hmm. and then a fifth, and then a sixth and seventh that came together. And I think in a lot of ways, yeah. while we may not be, um, I may not be at the place uh, where you are post-retirement, mm-hmm. give, right? There are a lot of families, though, that empty nest doesn't necessarily mean retired. It just means that you're at a right. place where maybe the light at the end of the tunnel is coming up. You know, you see kids going right. to college, or you see kids transitioning into adult life, and you say, you know, we still have... 
Right. Got more capacity. So, well, and ahead. And I actually um, retired after we took our first child. So, oh, you did? Okay. Yes, my husband had been retired, and I was still working as a nurse and just decided that we really wanted to run our farm full-time and take care of the children full-time. So gotcha. we now have a second child and... Yeah, so tell me, so tell me about the kids, and and I guess as a follow up question to tell me about the kids that you're currently parenting, um, do a little compare and contrast, right? Because you had kind of come out of, you know, you now have adult grown children, and you obviously, mm-hmm. you know, everyone grew up, and now here you are back in the thick of parenting, right? right. So, tell me a little bit about. Uh, so a we bit about have that. a 17 and a half year old son, and he joined us about a year and a half ago, okay. and. Um, He's doing great. And the, you know, then we just took a nine, nine-year-old daughter. So, okay. and uh, that's doing great. So that's quite a range. <laughs> it is a range. We actually came into this to take teenagers. We never considered that we would take a young right, child. Right. Um, our second youngest grandchild is nine, and they range from now 10 months to 18, okay. or actually 19. And um, so our... Our family just has uh, really blossomed and right. still growing. And I remember when we took the nine-year-old child, we were looking. She, you know, she'll be a long-term placement with us. And my son called me and says, "Mom, did you do the math? You're 65." And I said, um, "Yeah, we did the math." Yeah, and he yeah. goes, "You're going to be 75 when she graduates from high school." I said, "Yeah." But, okay. But we're both healthy, and um, I think, and and you know what? The funny thing is, uh, out of the context of this conversation, right about mm-hmm. sort of empty nest parenting, I've been involved, God, in the past couple of months in probably at least a half a dozen conversations about what aging means in 2019. Right. Right. This idea that that it has changed so substantially in such a short period of time. Right. If you think back a generation, two generations, as a nurse, I'm sure you're mm-hmm. keenly aware of what. Uh, the health issues were that often, you know, precipitated right. uh, earlier demise. And, you know, today people are just vibrant and healthy and, and right. moving forward, right? So through medical uh, technology and through, you know, better medication, better right. treatments, you know, it's it's not unusual to be, you know, just going and going and going and going and going, 70s, right. 80s, 90s. You know, I just know so many people who are just very vibrant and engaged. So I think in a lot of ways, sometimes when people think about parenting, it's the old construct right. sometimes that they think about. You know, you think about your own experiential piece. So you right. think, well, you know, th- this is my grandparents. This is my parents. This is my relationship to it. But today I find a lot of families, putting it back into context, right. will say to me, we still have a lot of capacity. We've got a lot of energy. We've got a lot of capacity. We're healthy. You know, I think it's it's such a different story. Exactly. And, you know, Bruce and I, we both feel as though... Um, you know, we're in very good health. Neither one of us take any medications. Uh, That's we're fantastic. Busy, busy all the time. Yeah, I mean, we're milking goats twice a day. Yeah, well, so that keeps you that keeps you healthy. And it's you know we're we're wrestling animals here and there, and sure. um, you know, but we just love it. We're very content with our lives and. That's great. And it's a very therapeutic environment for kids. So. I was going to ask you, what is the, what do you think the impact is to the children being on the farm? Is that, um, does that lend something? 
Yes, I think it does because, you know, the, you know, when you take a child, of course, you are trying to create that whole person or, you know, nurture that whole person. And um, one of the things that they ask us to do is to give the kids chores, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it be make their bed or um, do dishes or whatever it is. In our case, um, you know, we we have a high expectation that kids keep their rooms clean, Um, but also they get to pick a chore outside of the house okay. and uh, our son does the chickens his job is right. chickens and turkeys and that's great he he puts them you know tucks them in at night and that's feeds fantastic. them and uh, our daughter now just feeds the dogs you know so that's good yes. i you know i always did the same with my kids and i think what's interesting is that one of the reasons why you're encouraged to to help uh, kids understand what chores are all about is right. that we're trying to sometimes fill gaps in skills. Right. Sometimes kids come from environments where there wasn't a lot of structure. And exactly. at the end of the day, you know, I've said for years, um, the Massachusetts approach to partnerships and parenting, the MAP class that you took mm-hmm. was something I mm-hmm. had uh, trained with the department uh, on for years. And I would always say to families, kids want structure. They absolutely and they, do, yes. They absolutely thrive in structure. Right. Right. And sometimes the kiddos who had the least of it resisted the most. But once you mm-hmm. get that structure in place, it's important. And something like keeping your room clean, helping with dishes, these are life skills. They are, definitely. Especially our son now. He's uh, approaching 18 in March, and um, he has made the decision to stay within the system and to um, continue on and go to college. Right. He's doing great. Um but our daughter is like, okay, feeding the dogs isn't hard enough. I need something. Need something else. more. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that's. I'm sure you can challenge your daughter, right? <laughs> Find oh, something. Yes. yes. You have goats. You've got chickens. Yes. And you're growing as well. You're growing produce. And we, you have a garden. We do. Okay. We do. And um, it's interesting because both kids now have been part of births, goat births. Okay. And our, well, our that's son. a whole separate education. <laughs> it's a separate <laughs> education. Living on a farm, you can't predict what you know, what they're going to get exposed to. But I feel as though I'm an obstetrical nurse. So I'm sure that you do it with efficiency. And uh... (laughs) for me, for me, it was like, you know, our kids, our biological children were raised, you know, understanding the birth process. And now these kids. Well, it's an important part of life. Yes, it is. And it's a natural occurrence at the farm. That's it is. It's a natural education. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, as we're kind of getting to the point where we're starting to, to wrap up a little bit, uh, I appreciate you so much sharing your, your story, and hopefully others feel inspired by your story and, and the actions you've taken. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for people who have an empty nest and, and, and they're maybe thinking, like you did, you know, maybe now's the time, or, you know, I still have so much I want to give back. What kind of advice would you have for people who might be in that position? I think that um, anybody who finds themselves in that position actually should just inquire and sure. look into their hearts and see, you know, what is it that they have to give and what are they willing to give. And um, also to understand that there's so many children out there that need somebody. Right. And right. very often older people, you know, like my age or a little younger, a little older, maybe haven't thought that teenagers are like a great category because you're not lifting them up, carrying them around. And honestly, teenagers have so much to offer. I agree. We had a whole national campaign that we were plugged into around teenagers and it was very tongue in cheek. So um, the construct Terry was uh, around like teenagers, uh, you know, don't require diaper changes. Teenagers can help you mow the lawn. Teenagers, you know, but, but even though it was tongue in cheek, it's true. You have, um, you know, younger children who um, still need a lot of uh, uh, help uh, being shaped and 
physically may need help being carried and may need, right? Teenagers have kind of gotten to a point where they're pretty self-sufficient, right? Exactly. They need some yeah. guidance and they need some some help, but they also have something that they can they can give back. And I think for a lot of people, when they're thinking about filling an empty nest, a teenager may feel like an easier commitment from that perspective. Right. And we've seen people look at it both ways. Um, many people think, you know, when we said we are coming into the system specifically to take teenagers right. because the need is the greatest, I think. Um, and people are afraid of teenagers. And... Why do you think that is? I think that they are afraid that they're too experimental and maybe okay. uh, get into trouble. And our experience has been the opposite. This, our son is so grateful that to have a home and to have um, parents that care about him. That you know he has just done a full fantastic full job. turnaround. Yeah. And I almost wish we had the capacity to take more. Because I, I think the teenagers are, they just have so much to give and so much to offer. I agree. So. And I tell people, you know, children of any age, regardless of their background, right? So we're talking about everything from biological children to foster children to adopted children, um, do have behaviors that are inherent Absolutely. in being a child of a particular mm -hmm. age. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about littles, you know, say under five, right, mm -hmm. they're still developing and they can be a little wiry and they can be energetic and, you know, they don't necessarily have a lot of self-control. And then mm -hmm. we get into that pre-adolescent stage and they're learning and maybe a little more dedicated and maybe a little more outspoken. And then we become an adolescent and now we are testing the waters and mm -hmm. all that stuff exists regardless of what your path is as a child. So I think to say that, and, and, I, and I appreciate that you had a great experience. I also have a teen adoptee um, mm -hmm. who's, who's a great kid. And, um, and, you know, I think people had the same kinds of concerns when right. we said we were going to adopt a teen. But at the end of the day, I personally believe, I've been touched by this in a way that makes me believe that children are resilient. Mm -hmm. And with structure and with, with love, every child has the opportunity to change the path that they're on with investment, um, that which may have been without the investment can be altered. And so right. at any stage, at any age, I believe investing in foster and adoptive children Absolutely. makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, the, the kids, you know, they just need us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, For sure. the commitment to, you know, to them to be consistent in their lives. Right. And I think that consistency is the most important thing you can offer these kids. I agree. Structure, consistency. Mm -hmm. Well, you are doing an amazing thing. I'm so glad that you shared your story. Is there anything else you'd want to share with our audience? I know as you were preparing for today, maybe some things went through your mind. Any other messages? Or I think that um, the, the one last thing I would say is there's so many people out there that are willing to offer support. True. Um, there's community supports. There's the the you know the DCF workers are have in our experience have been absolutely amazing. Right. Um, and you know there's private agencies. There's church groups. We're very much our church has actually come on board with many families now that are actually participating in okay. in helping so support active, foster care. Yes. Yeah. Active dialogue. And That's even great. those who don't want to take children are now coming on board and saying, what can we do to help you I agree. foster these kids? No, I so agree. Um, there's lots out there. And yeah. I'm always happy to speak with anyone who oh, has wonderful. an interest in that. 
That's really so. nice. And thank you for you're speaking to a lot of people right now. So <laughs> we appreciate that. But it's true. Um, and I think uh, just to kind of close the loop on all of this, I'll just remind folks that if they want more information about uh, adoption from foster care or foster care, they can certainly call us here at um, at Mayor. Uh, they can also check in with uh, DCF. They will. Uh, they have recruiters, and they will also um, speak to families, uh, children who are in foster care or pre-adopted. Uh, often, um, you know, we'll have a subsidy uh, that helps to uh, that helps a family to support the child. Uh, they have medical coverage, so there's lots of pieces in place that are are built in to help support children, along with social workers, uh, all kinds of social connectivity, and uh, a lot of uh, community organizations that support parents. There's even foster care closets now where uh, foster parents are able to donate and retrieve goods to help support youth. So there's just lots of lots of resources out there. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming today, and I appreciate commitment to your children and for sharing your story. And I'm so excited that... Uh, that you bought the farm. I think <laughs> we, that that's really... We literally bought the, the farm. In the best way possible. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being with me today, Terry. I appreciate it. Thank you. For more information about Mayor Awaiting Children, or simply to get more information about how you can get involved to support Waiting Children, please visit us at mayorinc.org or call us at 617-964-6273. This is Joe Sandegato from Mayor wishing you a wonderful day, and thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>